Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Big questions. How do we make gasoline prices affordable? We are very concerned. How do we put food back on the shelves? Very concerned about where we're at. How do we stop this rise of inflation? How do we secure our border? How do we make cities safe again? Questions. The American people deserve answers to these questions. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Monday, Martin Luther King birthday Monday. The uh, North State Journal ran an op-ed by a man named Clarence Henderson. Now, if that name rings a bell, it probably should out of North Carolina history. Clarence Henderson was a participant in the February 1st, 1960 sit-in at a Greensboro, North Carolina, Woolworth lunch counter. This op-ed is excellent. And uh, let me just read it for you. It's not that long. Written by Mr. Clarence Henderson. As we celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, let us remember who he was and what he represented. He was a great civil rights leader advocating for equality. He believed that people should be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. This idea united Americans around the self-evident truths that underpin this nation, and it's the same idea that caused the emergence of the Woolworth sit-in that I participated in. Why were both of these necessary? If you look at American history with open eyes, the reason is quite obvious. When we examine the political parties in our country, it is apparent that the Democratic Party was at the forefront of racism in America. Unfortunately, a half century later, they still are. Today's Democrats want to make race a central factor in how we treat each other as Americans. They want to divide us based on our identities, not unite us around our common values. What do Democrats hope to achieve by promoting this division? It certainly isn't Dr. King's dream they strive for. Dr. King fought for equality under the law and the moral precept of judging individuals by their character and actions, not the pigment of their skin. It is no secret that today's Democrat Party and the modern woke movement that fuels them do not believe in these principles. In fact, they openly oppose them. They promote disdain for our fellow Americans based on race or religion or even on vaccination status. The language the Democrats speak today, such as critical race theory, social justice, cancel culture, and, equi- and equity, is used to keep the black community with the mindset that we are victims or, uh, or survivors when we are neither. We are overcomers, having overcome slavery as well as Jim Crow. They are currently using CRT as a way to exploit our educational systems to teach the black community to judge the white community by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. They are promoting the sin of racism we fought so hard to overcome and brazenly claiming the moral high ground while doing so. This is causing a great divide in America when we should be living according to the words of Dr. King. Unless we lived, learn to live together as brothers, we will perish together as fools. This Martin Luther King Day, as we his, see his dream slipping away, being torn away, we Americans must reach deep to find the courage that Dr. King demonstrated. We must call upon this courage to revitalize his dream, the American dream, for a world in which we can live together as brothers and sisters, as Americans, a world in which we are judged by the merit 
where the principle of, of equality under the law and the God-given rights of man reigns supreme over sinister calls for equity and radical justice. In 2022, we must remember the true legacy of Dr. King and find the courage to reject any movement or government that would divide us in his name, in the name, I'm sorry, in the name of racism. Uh, That's the op-ed written by Clarence Henderson. And Mr. Henderson is on the phone with us right now. Mr. Henderson, thanks so much for joining us uh, this afternoon on News and Views. Great op-ed you wrote. Thank you so much. It's great to be on with you today. Uh, Tell us, um, as you wrote this, obviously there is a great disconnect from what we see happening in the mainstream media, what we see happening in Washington, D.C., with Democrats and Republicans, instead of really following the mantra of judging another by the content of their character, it is now elevated that it's all about the pigment of your skin. Well, it certainly is, and there's been a great transmission of misinformation, uh, especially coming out of the political arena. And we need to understand that the political arena is nothing more than a system. And if we're going to live the best lives we can live, we have to learn how to leverage that system and show the political arena that it is we the people and not they the government that decides on what kind of country we're going to live in. And so the truth needs to be spoken, not somebody's opinion. It's one thing if you say, this is my opinion, but when you say the truth, then that's what, you, that's what it should be. You hear people now saying, my truth. There's no such thing as my truth. It's the truth. And so uh, I've been on this mission for a long number of years to try to get people to see how great this country is and that the fact that we're concentrating on a lot of the wrong things. The concentration should be on... Jobs. Uh, what drives this uh, 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 drives America is is the uh, 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 free market capitalistic system and how we can utilize that. And once we do that, we will remain a great country because uh, I'm sure you know the history of the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's happening in America right now, and too many of us don't know anything about it. So uh, I want to get out to people is that America offers the greatest opportunity there is of any country, because why else would you have people dying to come here when nobody's dying to be? And so we have to look at these things from an objective point of view and see uh, and call things what's what and stop allowing other, others of us to, uh, people that uh, to influence us without us uh, going and doing our own research. And once we do that, because, see, I've been on both sides of the aisle. I was a Democrat before I was a Republican. So I know about both sides. And so uh, when I began to look at the, re- the Republican Party, I saw how they were more apt to support um, uh, the black community based on past history than the Democratic Party is. And so it was uh, an easy decision for me to make, but uh, it was a decision based on me not listening to what somebody told me, but going and doing my own research. And by the way, uh, our listeners might not know, you actually helped campaign for Donald Trump when he ran back in 2016, right? I certainly did, and let me tell you the reason why. Donald Trump was and is a businessman, which means that he understands the free market capitalist system. If we elect any official that does not understand that system, that person may be intended to do well, but they're doing more harm than good uh, because they don't understand how how our system works. And so 
when I looked at him versus Hillary Clinton when he was running against her, mm-hmm. then it was an easy choice to make me to make. And the same thing with Joe Biden. I don't have anything uh, against Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton, and I don't have any special love necessarily for Donald Trump. But I looked at who was the best candidate uh, to move America forward, and I saw him as the best candidate. Let me ask you. Was was it the fact that the Democrat Party changed, or did you change, or was it a little bit of both that your your politics politics changed from Democrat to Republican? It was a little bit of both because at one point in time, certainly the Democratic Party was reasonable to a certain extent. They were willing to sit down and have conversations with people across the aisle and and, and try to come to some kind of compromise which would be best for the country. But now, you know, they've gone from uh, like with, I grew up in an era of time known as Jim Crow, where you judge just by the color of our skin and the content of the character. Well, the Democratic Party right now is using that same uh, uh, situation. And it's not just about the color of one's skin. It's about if uh, your ideology, if you don't agree with what I say, then I'll counsel culture you, critical race theory, whatever it is that these monikers that they're using against the people at large. And so we're in danger right now of all of the American people to go into slavery, but this slavery would be economic slavery. Because you look at the price of gas, I mean, uh, that has to be detrimental to anybody that drives uh, in, uh, as a regular driver. And you look at the, what's happening with uh, all these other things and allowing uh, illegal aliens to come across the border. Certainly we encourage people to come to this country, but it's according to the way what the Constitution says. And so we have to look at... Uh, what is actually happening at this point is that uh, you have the Democrats saying, don't do as I do, do as I say do. And that, that for me, that that's uh, uh, I'm an individual, and I think for myself. When when you look at where the, the black community is, by the way, we're talking to Clarence Henderson. Uh, I, again, Mr. Henderson was one of the participants in the February 1st, 1960 sit-in at the Greensboro Woolworth lunch counter. When, when you look at the, the black community today, and I've said, I've been doing this program for 12 years now, I've said that the conservative movement will really begin to blossom when the black community realizes that the Democratic Party has been lying to them for many, many years. Where, where do you see that? I mean, obviously, you've changed your political views, but and, and we've talked to many others as well. Do you see that as a tsunami or a trickle? Is it going in the direction of conservatism in the black community? It, it is going, uh, although it's slow, it's going more toward conservatism because uh, the uh, for conservatives in this country, the biggest advertisement and advertisement for them is the Democratic Party. Yeah. And so you have to look at it short-term versus long-term now. Who in their right hand would say defund the police? Who does it hurt the, the, the most uh, uh, is, is the black community. Exactly. Uh, what has happened to the black community, uh, of course, you know where the Indian is right now. American Indian was here when we got here. Uh, they're on reservations. In mm-hmm. a lot of ways, blacks are on reservations right now. Yep. It's called Chicago, Detroit, Harlem. Uh, Great our, point. Uh, uh, yeah, and so we have to reckon with the fact of what do we do with those people in those areas now if the Democratic Party is so concerned about uh, the black community. Why aren't they going in uh, 
uh, why is the government going in and, and the federal go- uh, the Democratic Party going in and doing something about that? Uh, for example, the mayor of Chicago, she wouldn't accept Donald Trump's help, but she's willing to say she's willing to accept uh, uh, Joe Biden's help. So uh, when when you're drowning, it doesn't matter who saves you as long as somebody saves you. So uh, they're saying one thing, it's just like you take the Planned Parenthood. They put those in the low-income area, uh, areas and uh, have us, uh, uh, you know, where we're no longer a, a people that's growing. Uh, uh, and it, it's, it's a sad plight for us because 73% of their about of black babies uh, are being aborted. And so uh, all of those uh, resources are, are, are not available because we've gotten, gotten rid of them. And um, we need to understand that we need to change the, 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 our thinking and have a, a paradigm shift and see this thing for what it really is. How old were you when you uh, were participating in the sit-in back in 1960? Eighteen. Eighteen. D- did you ever have a chance to meet uh, Dr. Martin Luther King in person? No, I certainly didn't. Uh, unfortunately, I never had the opportunity to do that. Uh, uh, what happened was is that after I participated in the Civil Rights Movement, uh, God took me on the backside of the mountain uh, late, a little later on where I began to understand how America works because I had no idea at that particular point in time. But I was in the financial services industry for almost 30 years doing mortgage and investments and things like that. And I understand, uh, again, the economic quadrant and, and, and how that uh, people can achieve their dreams by looking at the economic quadrant. For example, if you're an employee, you get paid what they say you're worth. The self-employed like my dad was, you get paid. Your hand, what you can do with your, your hand, but if you're a business owner, then what you look at is that uh, you can generate income by uh, owning a business, put the system in place, just like McDonald's did, like uh, Ray Kroc did, and then you right. can become an investor, which perhaps could pay you more money than owning your own business. So I've done a deep study on how this country works, and uh, one of the biggest challenges we have right now is uh, money is a game that everybody plays, but most people lose the game because they don't understand the rules. Right. What would Martin Luther King say today to the Democrats up in D.C.? If he had a chance to sit down, uh, just this weekend, just this weekend, Maxine Waters went after her fellow Democrats and basically called them racist because they would not over turn over the filibuster. If, Dr. if Dr. Martin Luther King was alive today and could have a sit-down with somebody like Maxine Waters, what do you think he would say? He would talk with her about the American opportunity, equality instead of equity. Unfortunately, we have within the Democratic Party, those that are being used, uh, for example, a lot of the, the, the uh, black elected officials, they come into the black neighborhood and promise help but don't give any help. So... The same thing that Dr. King talked about at that particular point in time, and it's how I have a dream that we should learn to live together as brothers as opposed to perishing together as food. He said he had a dream about his uh, children being able to play uh, with white kids and black kids and all that. Well, see, right. I had the opportunity to do that when I was growing up because I lived, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, um, uh, North Greensboro, but I lived mm-hmm. over in, at one point in time in the area near UNCG. And then it, it uh, was about bus back in the black neighborhood. So it, 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 at uh, lunchtime, I played with black kids. But in the evening, I was only white kids that would come to my house and we'd play together. And I learned then that uh, racism, people not born, they, they're indoctrinated into it. And so if we would learn uh, how we can 
uh, do this thing together. How how can we go out and fight wars and do all those things together and come back here and battle against each other? Uh, and so Dr. Yeah. King would say that all we're looking for is the opportunity. Right. What is the ultimate answer for America and the problems she faces? The ultimate answer for America is to stop allowing people to use racism, that Marxist system, uh, to the detriment of the public at large, and look at things on an individual situation. Look at the, uh, the history of America for what it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and stop trying to promote or write the history of America uh, when it doesn't need to be rewritten. Uh, the hope for us to go, go back to uh, uh, our educational system and looking at how we can uh, change our educational system because the educational system has been hijacked and they're not teaching uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but they're right. teaching about uh, the wrong things. Uh, Social justice. I came up on the classical education, and it teaches you how to debate, how to sit down and discuss things on a reasonable level. We don't have that now. And so the whole ask for America is by our generation coming to teach them American history, teach them to, uh, 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 about uh, civics, how to become a good citizen in this country, and how to be a, a productive citizen. And once we do that, then America will go back to being what it uh, was before and have a chance to be again, because America, American exceptionalism, and I heard you say something about it a few minutes ago, but I put it in op-ed, is that in consensus of the Declaration of Independence where the self-evident truth that we understand is ordained by God, the right to life, living, and pursuit of happiness, no matter who you look like, or what, whether you're red, white, black, white, red, or yellow. Yep. You mentioned history just a second ago, and I'm going to let you go here in a minute. I appreciate your time. But what would you say to an individual that says, we need to go in and just tear down the monuments of the past because these men, uh, what Thomas Jefferson owned a slave, and so therefore we need to just uh, de- de- demolish the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C.? What would you say to someone like that? I would ask them, first of all, tell me one statue that's done any harm to you. It's the people that are alive that do harm to you. Those statues are great. They are great history. Sharing with us uh, how we should not repeat the history of the past if, if the statue represents the wrong kind of history in America. I have learned so much uh, through those statues uh, just recently because one of the things I didn't know what it meant when you saw a person, uh, a soldier sitting on a horse and he had one hoof up or two hooves up, and it meant that, uh, you know, if all hoofs were down, he, he died a normal death, if you would. But I think with one hoof up, he died in battle. Uh, I don't remember the total right, right Right, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it made me start to look at, see, and if you are a, 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 a an American citizen in this country, and you don't know the history of this country, you are a citizen in name only, and you may be, for example, voting for what you think is right, but you're voting for somebody that's the wrong person. But isn't that what the liberals want, though? I mean, don't they want a confused America where they te- tear down the past and uh, so they can rebuild their Marxist future? These elitists say, don't do as I do, do as I say do. It's just like with the mask situation right now. Each person, I think, should have their own choice. But here they are espousing that you got to wear a mask. But you see so many of them in privacy and whenever they don't have a mask on. And we've heard so many, much wrong information about the the COVID situation we're living with right now, we have to come back to the fact that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Thank uh, you. We just cannot just shut America down and leave it shut down. But the elitists 
they want to run this country and they want to have everybody be as a slave, they want to put people in a position where that we are like uh, 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 what King George was, we are all subjects to whatever they say. Exactly. Again, the Constitution begins, we the people and not they the government. And governments are instituted uh, among men deriving their, their, their just power from the consent of the governed <clears throat> and not the government. So the, 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 uh, we as the people have the power to determine the fortune of any elected official so long as we keep the electoral college in place. Mr. Clarence Henderson, now right now you are uh, a part of the Frederick Douglass Foundation in North Carolina, is that correct? Yes, I am the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation for the state of North Carolina, formerly the uh, chairman of the Martin Luther King Commission for the state of North Carolina. And I sit here talking to you as a person with no birth certificate, delivered by a midwife, and they never uh, put my name on the road. How about that? Yet all these things have happened to me. Born on with the side that we call the wrong side of the tracks. But it's not where you come from, it's where you're going. It's not what's uh uh it's not what's behind you in front of you, it's what's in you. And so uh I just determined at an early age that I was gonna be the best that I could be and that's what I fought for uh during my entire life and the, I guess the biggest thing you say about me is I have the courage to stand up for that which I believe in. And we had to go back and, and, and um, reclaim the courage of people uh, in our past. As a matter of fact, uh, I have a, a, a book coming out next year and a uh, movie, hopefully, coming out next year. It's going to address both of those things that help unify America. What's the name of the book? We haven't named the book yet, but the movie is Forgotten Courage. Forgotten Courage. Yeah, okay. my, both my parents only had a very good education. But here's what happened is that my parents were married for 63 years, and my father worked six days a week. My mother stayed home and worked, well, she worked on, on worked a part-time job and took care of uh, me and my two brothers. And so we had uh, uh, a, a, a home, a house uh, that uh, adheres to uh, what the American dream is all about, and that is that uh, it, it's, it's based on a family unit, so we had to go back and recapture the idea of family units as opposed to single parents, whether it's uh, single dads and single mothers, because it's very difficult to take advantage of the American uh, opportunity as a single parent. Mr. Clarence Thomas, hey, listen, I want to talk to you again, especially when this movie comes out, Forgotten Courage, and your new book. But thanks so much for spending some time with us this afternoon. God bless you, and uh, keep up the good work and uh, the motivational speaking. Uh, you, you really are an inspiration to uh, every American that loves this country. So keep up the good work, my friend. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Sue. Thank you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. A collection of question marks. A lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Uh, taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Clear tonight, a low around 28. Tuesday, a high near 47. Lots of sunshine. Tomorrow night, a low around 30 with clear skies. 
sunny on Wednesday. The high gets up almost to 60. So uh, get out and enjoy on Wednesday. A little chilly between now and then, but uh, Wednesday we get a little reprieve from the cold. My wife texted me and said, uh, great interview, honey, but you called him Clarence Thomas once. <laughs> the interview with Clarence Henderson. I don't think that would insult him. I, my hunch is Clarence Henderson would be very happy to be uh, hung with that moniker of Clarence Thomas. Uh, happy birthday to Martin Luther King. It is his uh, birthday today. Uh, the crescendo of his speech on August 28th, 1963, which Clarence Henderson uh, recited, I have a dream that I have a dream speech. I have a dream that my four children, my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of the skin, but the contact of the, the but the content of their character. Um, it, what's interesting about this is progressives today who want to live in an age of victimization would cringe at those words. Now, interestingly, just this past weekend, the state of Virginia swore in its first black female lieutenant governor. In fact, she's the first woman of color to hold statewide office in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yesterday, she reflected on her election, especially in light of today's holiday. This is cut one, Clark. Uh, this is uh, Wins Winsome Winston Sears talking about her election and how she being elected, how it might be remembered on this Martin Luther King birthday. We want everyone to have equal opportunity. And here I sit today to say it can happen. I am so tired of those who look at life as being the glass is half empty. What a negative way to continue to view life because, you know, life is going to hit you hard and you have to be prepared for it. My very first duty is to preside over the Senate. We're going to be repealing some of the really bad laws, made no sense, turned us against each other. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., we're going to celebrate his day on Monday, the day that I take the gavel. It's historic, yes. But after the history, what are we going to do? We're going to repeal, as I said, bad laws. I'm going to be the example to show the children, if you understand that you stay in school and study, I didn't do anything special. That's all I did. You can do it, too. We're going to push for school choice, because if the schools are deciding that they're going to stay closed, well, then we're going to say no. Give the money then to the parents to make the decision on where they can send their children to school. We're not going to worship the building any longer. They're going to have choices. You know, our former presidents on the Democratic side, they have sent their children to private schools. And in Virginia as well, the past governors, children go to private schools. Well, let's everybody have that opportunity. Thank you very much. And we're going to help the rest of the country to understand you can do it. We will do it together. We can live together in unity. We are going to disagree on the laws that we make, but, you know, we don't have to be disagreeable. And by the way, Martin Luther King Jr. said, look to the future. And so my saying is we're going to move ever forward. You notice a common denominator between what Winsome Sears said and what Clarence Henderson talked about just a few minutes ago? Um, Sears went on to say, Quote, I am so tired of those who look at life as being the glass half empty. What a negative way to continue to view life because you know life is going to hit you hard and you have to prepare, prepare for it. You come out of the womb screaming, that ought to be an indication of how things are going to be. The rich suffer, yes, the poor suffer, everybody in between, but we can make it. Now compare those comments, those thoughts to Maxine Waters. I mentioned this to Clarence Henderson. Maxine Waters over this past weekend, 
Well, when some Sears was saying that, Maxine Waters was basically going after anybody who would not go along with a progressive socialist agenda, to ref- a.k.a. refusing to vote to eliminate the filibuster, she said they were racist. Just that simple. So, I mean, what an abuse, by the way. I, I, since I can't get my way, I'm going to resort to calling you a racist. And look, that is so old. That is so overplayed. That is so done. But if Maxine Waters were delivering the speech, it would go something like, don't judge the content and the character of our progressive legislation. Pass the legislation based on my skin color. Anyway, it's, uh, well, we've come a long way in the wrong direction since that uh, I have a dream speech. 561-8255, Tom in Bellhaven is on the line. Hey, Tom, how are you, sir? Hey, bud, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to hear from you. Mr. Henderson is someone that needs to be emulated through all children on this in this country right now. He was fighting racism when there really was racism, the up-in-your-face up in kind of racism. Yeah. We don't have that anymore. They want, to, they want to see it. They want to say it's there because it means more dollars. But, you know, one of the, one of the greatest tricks that they, they say is, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing man he didn't exist. The Democrats have taken that, and now they're saying the greatest trick the Democrats ever pulled was convincing African-Americans that they would be happier and taken care of if they just stayed on the plantation. Yeah, that was a great analogy. That was a great analogy that Mr. Henderson used talking about how the Indians are on the reservation and and the black family. Uh, the, the, The blacks, I mean, unfortunately, the blacks and the whites, the family unit is crumbling very quickly, but the blacks are on a reservation. It's called Chicago. It's called Detroit. It's called Baltimore. Right. And, and you've got people like Maxine Waters and some of these other people in Congress that are doing everything they can to keep them there. Yep. It's yep. just, it's absolutely mind-blowing. But when you look at Mr. Henderson and what he really went through, the up-in-your-face kind of racism, the, the, the water hose, the dogs, the, the police beating you for no reason— this man has seen it and has done it, and that's who our kids need to look up to. Not an athlete making millions of dollars for catching a ball. Or in some cases— Not a criminal that gets killed, and then that we're uh, going we're gonna to put him up as a, as I, a martyr. Icon. Yep, exactly. Great yep. point. Great right. point, Tom. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. You're absolutely right. And, you know, if, if anybody had a reason— to, to be bitter and to, to say, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to put up with, you know, these whatevers, it, it would be Clarence Henderson. I mean, if, if, he, if he wanted to be bitter, he could. But you know what? He has chosen not to make himself the victim. Do bad th- I mean, just like Winston Sears said, bad things are going to happen to rich people and poor people and everybody in between. Are you going to allow yourself to be the victim? Are you going to get up, dust yourself off, and get back in the fight, get back in the battle? And, I, and by the way, I mean I mean that figuratively speaking when I say get back in the battle. Okay, so don't don't accuse me of starting a fight. Town Hall is reporting when it comes to a party preference of Americans. A new report by Gallup came out today 
showed that in 2021, Democrats lost their advantage against the GOP in just one year. These numbers are pretty stark. The Democrats began 2021, new president, controlled Congress, and a nine-point lead. Now, these these are people that identify as being in the Democratic Party. So they identified 49% to 40% Democrats over Republican. That was at the beginning of 2021. At the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022, it has totally flipped. Now it is 47% identify as Republicans, 42% as Democrats. That is a 14-point swing in 12 months. I mean, that is, uh, to say that is dramatic is an understatement. And Cousin Eddie did it in a year. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, he had the help of Chuckles the Clown Schumer and Queen Nancy. Yeah, and let's not forget Kamala. <laughs> I'm speaking. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, it, look, now, listen, Republicans, conservatives, you got to be careful. It swang 14 points in the wrong direction for Democrats in a year. Well, we're almost a year away from the next election. Does it look good right now for Republicans? Yes, it does. But you need to stay the course. News Nation came out with an uh, interesting study. According to this, the headline, 31% of Americans trust Fauci COVID advice. 15.5% trust Biden's COVID advice. <laughs> when it comes to information about COVID-19 in the survey, which of the following sources would you say you trust? That's what they asked the people taking the poll. Anthony Fauci, 30.8%. Frankly, that seems high to me that you would have a third of Americans actually trusting Fauci. That's hard to believe. Federal health authorities like the CDC or the FDA, 49.8%. Again, that seems awful high, especially for the CDC. Your doctor, 63.2%. The news media, 10.2%. <laughs> so the elite news media that is so in love with itself one out of 10 people trust you. Joe Biden, 15.5%. And by the way, of the people polled, 74% of the people were vaxxed. So it wasn't a bunch of unvaxxed nut jobs out there, which you can put me in that category. Um, have you received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine? 26% said no. 73.9% said yes. In your opinion, when you think of COVID-19 pandemic, when will it be over? 7.2% said it's already over. 51.8% said it's never going to be over. Within six months, 10.8%. Within a year, 30%. Thinking about other issues facing the country today, how concerned are you about inflation? Not concerned at all, 1.5%. Not too concerned, 6.5%. Somewhat concerned, 31.8%. Very concerned, 60.1%. So you have 92% of Americans are very are either somewhat concerned or very concerned about inflation. Is Joe? <laughs> no, it's transitory. No big deal. 
Which do you think is the bigger problem facing the United States? Inflation, unemployment, or COVID-19? COVID-19 came at 40.9%, inflation at 45.4%, unemployment at 13.5%. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're in trouble. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Some good news. CNBC is reporting that uh, following weeks of soaring infections from uh, Omicron, the uh, looks like we've turned the corner. The U.S. has reported an average of nearly 800,000 cases per day over the past week, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University. More than three times the level seen during last winter's previous record, but in a handful of states and cities, particularly on the East Coast, cases appear to have plateaued and are beginning to fall in recent days. And uh, that, that, I mean, that, that's happening in New York and New Jersey and Maryland. And uh, also cases are falling in South Africa and the United Kingdom. So uh, experts predict that Omicron wave will fall almost as quickly as it rose. That's the good news. Maybe we're just uh, a few weeks away from seeing that uh, really come to uh, fruition big time. So you remember the senator, Roger Marshall, who uh, is from Kansas, when they had the Fauci questioning last week, Dr. Marshall was called a moron by Dr. Fauci. Uh, Roger Marshall was called, the senator Marshall was called a moron by Dr. Fauci. And uh, because... The senator asked Dr. Fauci, can you reveal your financial statements to us? And Fauci said, you know, they're they're readily available. Anybody can go find them. What's the big deal? And he said, well, my staff is trying to find them. I can't find them. So now Marshall has come out and uh, he's going to come out with a new bill, a new act. Marshall's bill, the Financial Accountability for Uniquely Compensated Individuals, F-A-U-C-I, the Fauci Act. (laughs) It would require the Office of Government Ethics to provide financial records of administration officials, including Fauci, and a list of those in government whose financial records are not public. This is according to The Hill. Now, by the way, his his, uh, pension... When he retires, it's going to be over $400,000 a year, just his pension from the government. But so it wasn't readily available. I mean, Fauci said, oh, anybody can find it. Well, no, you can't. But the senator did some digging and twisted the arm of Fauci and finally did get some information, which the senator has now published, made public. The Epic Times ran a story on that today. Dr. Anthony Fauci invested in the Chinese regime's corporate national champions, large Chinese companies that advance Beijing's interest and benefit from state policies in a 2020 investment portfolio, according to recently disclosed financial records. Senator Marshall obtained the records, published published them last Friday, showing that, okay, now we're not talking about 10,000, 100,000, 500,000. Fauci invested $10.4 million dollars in Chinese companies, ten point four million at the end of twenty twenty. Now, I just do you think that the guy's decisions 
concerning China are going to be a little biased. He's got his fortune invested in China, which, first of all, just off the top of your head, says, why, why would you put that kind of money in the China? I mean, what does he know that the rest of us don't know? Or what kind of deals is he getting? But you're going to tell me the guy invested $10.4 million in the Chinese economy and he was making sound, unbiased decisions concerning communist China and COVID? I don't think so. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Interesting news out of New York today. The Daily Wire is reporting that Ghislaine Maxwell, she's the uh, madam for Jeffrey Epstein, uh, her attorney wrote a letter to federal judge Loretta Prescott. Now, Maxwell's been found guilty, but she hasn't been sentenced yet. So this letter basically came out and said, okay, there was eight John Doe's that came up in the hearing that Maxwell wouldn't testify against. In this letter, she's basically saying, okay, I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to share information. So uh, it's going to be real interesting to see and hear about these eight John Doe's. Now, the Daily Mail reported back in 2016 when the Hildebeest was running for president, Jeffrey Epstein's attorney contacted the couple who manages Epstein's private island at the time in the Caribbean, known as uh, Pedophilia Island. It's also known as Little St. James Island. And this couple, Miles and Kathy Alexander, were met with the attorney, Darren Indyke, and uh, basically said that, okay, you never saw Bill Clinton on the island. That never happened. And uh, also, we want you to hand over all the logs, because they logged everybody that came in. They handed over all the logs to this Darren Indyke. And uh, so, and they were basically sworn to secrecy that, uh, no, Bill Clinton was never there. Now, there, I don't know if Bill was or not. Certainly looks like it's a possibility. Uh, and it's also interesting that there would be, if Bill's one of them, there's seven others that we don't know much about. There's speculation. I would just say this. I hope that Ghislaine Maxwell doesn't come to the same fate that Jeffrey Epstein came to. Did Jeffrey Epstein hang himself on that bunk bed or uh, was he done away with? What's going to happen to Ghislaine Maxwell? I hope she has good protection in uh, whatever prison she's in right now and uh, hope her life insurance is paid up. Funny how things happen when you're around the Clintons. Just saying. Hey, thanks for being with us. Our thanks to Clarence Henderson for sharing with us today. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.